Hello and welcome to Idol Rumble, the official K-pop podcast of LobbyRumble.com, where we discuss weekly topics around all things K-pop. We are recording on May 2nd, 2022. I'm Rob, Editor-in-Chief at Lobby Rumble, and I'm joined by content writer Ron. How was your week? My week was good, man. Um, It was, you know, my usual week. Pretty much just watch sports. <laughs> the NFL draft was last week also, and then over the weekend, got some udon with some friends out in the East Bay, which was pretty good, and um, that was kind of it. <laughs> How about you? What was the uh, udon place you went to? Is it that one that's like sort of like a buffet kind of thing, or not a buffet, but like a like a a lunch counter kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um the place is called uh, Marugame Udon in um in Berkeley um, in San Ramon. This one, uh... this was the San Ramon location and um they have a location in san francisco this is the same branch or i guess like the same kind of company in honolulu hawaii Um, but yeah yeah it's good because i think that's the one that i went to in berkeley when i went to go play board games with my friends one time oh cool i didn't even know they had a berkeley location like there's like a bunch of like the um tempura stuff down the lineup after like the udon station yeah it's like near the cash register it's like one of the last things you can get i guess yeah i think it's 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 the same restaurant so that was sports and getting udon with your friends (laughs) my week um i sort of got back into bloodborne because i kept saying to myself like oh like after all this elden ring i'm I'm still not doing the elden ring but Mm. i thought that Oh, all this elder because this is the the furthest I've ever gotten in a, a Dark Souls born like game that I was saying to myself, "Oh, I must be super good at the other Souls game, so let me go back and try Bloodborne, arguably the best Souls Souls like game." Mm-hmm. So I went back, I looked at my old save, and then I saw that I had a my file that I spent the most time with was about forty hours on Saturday. I Made a brand new character. I saw I had like a little bit of knowledge of like how to do a build, and then I actually passed my previous character like in the same day. Oh damn! <laughs> within less like maybe like five hours of actual gameplay, like I got further already. Parrying in this game is so much easier than in Elden Ring. Like I, I still mm. don't know how to do it in Elden Ring. Like the window is just so, so much better that you could practically parry everything. I also lived vicariously through Tim Tracker's theme park videos and cruise videos. He's a vlogger on the East Coast. He usually goes to like Disney World and all that stuff. But he also goes to a lot of different theme parks and shopping areas. I like watched his whole thing of of, like the Disney Dream cruise line. It's still a little crazy watching people um, going on cruises during the pandemic. There's like... (laughs) A year into the pandemic, and he, they're going on to cruise lines, but just living vicariously, just like um watching Disneyland vid- or Disney World videos, just seeing all the updates and stuff, is sort of like scratching the itch up my Disney itch because I still want to go back. But pandemic is just making things tough. But that was my week. Uh, so that was Bloodborne and Tim Tracker theme park videos. Uh, so let's talk new releases. In this section, we highlight and talk about some of our favorite releases for the previous week. What do you have on the list this time? All right. So this week, not much has come out, but we still have a lot of good stuff. So on April 27th, we had Soyuz EP Day and Night with her title track Business featuring Bio. And then that same day, Mion came out with her first solo EP titled My and her title track Drive. The next day on April 28th, Moonbiel came out with her single Cheese in the Trap. 
Then the following day, April 29th, Psy came back with his eighth studio album called Psy Ninth. And he had that title track, that, that featuring our favorite idol rapper, Suga of BTS. And then the moment that we all been waiting for, we, I feel like we've talked about it like every mm-hmm. week here on Idol Rumble, <laughs> is La Seraphim's debut EP, Fearless, and with the title track of the same name. I think we're going to talk about that a little more later. So among these, which would you pick as your favorite? So this week I have two. I like Mion's Drive. Because, uh, well, Mion is my favorite member in uh, Idol. Not only that, I'm a huge Taeyeon fan, uh, Kim Taeyeon from Girls' Generation. And um, that whole album gave me Taeyeon vibes. And I felt like at certain parts, in Drive specifically, she sounded just like Taeyeon, which is Ooh. crazy to me. But I want to say my favorite track of that whole album was um, Rain. It's a pretty emotional album. It kind of gives that vibe of like summer rain. Like warm summer rains. I know it doesn't rain that. It doesn't really rain during the summer here on the West Coast. I've been to Hawaii during the summer before and it has rained a day there. And <laughs> it kind of gives me that, that feeling. What's crazy too is there's this um, short story about, uh, it's a Korean short story called Rain Showers, which is what this track is named, kind of named after. And the lyrics kind of mirror the, that story too, which is pretty, um, pretty interesting. So I really like that one. And then my second pick would be. The Seraphim's Fearless. I'm only going to talk a little bit about it because uh, we'll talk more about it later. But I really like the bold sound that Hive has created. And the choreo was really good. It's really crisp and powerful. And I can't wait for the Studio Tomb video so I can see the, the whole choreography in, in action. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was super excited when this came out this morning for us. Nice. Yeah, uh, for Mion, I, I actually haven't watched the video yet, but I did see her stage because um, whenever I'm doing something on my computer, I could pull up Vicky and just pull up mm-hmm. the music shows. So she popped mm-hmm. up um, this week. So I got to see that. It, it was a pretty cool song, especially with your recommendation. I want to go check out the rest of the, the album. And what do you know? La Seraphim is my pick of the week with there Fearless. We go. So uh, La Seraphim, they're um, Source Music's new girl group. Source Music's uh, part of Hybe Music. They're known for housing G-Friend until recently where they split up. It's a little bit of a mature girl crush concept. It's especially a big switch up for members Chaewon and Sakura, who are known for being a little bit cutesy, especially Sakura coming from HKT, having that sort of a background. Um, it's also a little bit of a switch up from G-Friend too, because even on the tail end for G-Friend, they were sort of adopting a a mature vibe, but it wasn't as mature as, as this. I really like the prominent bass line that plays throughout the whole song. They have really sharp choreo, something known for girl groups in source music. It's also cool seeing them just exuding this confidence throughout the whole video, especially Chaewon and Sakura, who are usually known for being pretty shy in Aiza One. The music video is pretty cool. Um, when they're not dancing, it sort of reminded me of those luxury brand commercials and perfume mm, commercials. Yeah. yeah. And one thing, it's it's a pretty provocative music video and branding because especially for a fourth gen with with younger group members it's a little uh different for fans who've who've grown up in the fourth generation because i guess we're a little bit conditioned to 
having clothes that sort of cover up your figure, especially looking at all the teasers that came out, they're wearing sort of like less coverage. It's just different for um, it, it feels reminiscent of the third generation girl groups like AOA. Uh, so what 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 did you think? Do you have anything else to say about the Seraphim? Yeah, uh, just to add on to your point for of it being kind of provocative. Like I I think for me, I wouldn't say it was that provocative. I think in terms of their choreography and their I guess like stage outfits or or costumes or whatever, I didn't think they were that bad, especially compared to your early example AOA who I remember as they had like these really skinny, you know, dresses, especially for mini, the mm-hmm. miniskirt um, single. I think what separates um, La Seraphim from a group like AOA is that I think their clothing, although it, I guess it's a little provocative, like it, it showed more skin or I guess it than what we're used to these days in terms of K-pop. But I don't think like their move. They were suggestive in any way, or I wouldn't say it's like risque or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It showed some skin, but at the same time, I I want to say it was it was like tasteful, mm-hmm. and like their choreography was was pretty bold. There's only one dance move that I can think of. Yeah, I think I think we all if if you've seen the video, I think we all know what dance move you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but they're on the floor, um, pound, um, with their fist pounding the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's the only move where I'm like, okay, hold, <laughs> like, hold on, um, <laughs> but that's not outside of what's you know maybe it's a little out there for k-pop but if you compare it to the west then that's nothing <laughs> maybe i'm just comparing it to the west a little bit much because like if you were to go out in la during the summer you would see people wearing less clothing uh than what the girls are wearing the less fm girls are wearing in their music videos i do agree on that in terms of fourth generation and in the context of k-pop they were kind of pushing that a little bit but I would say not as much as like groups like AOA, where I feel like they kind of they kind of went in <laughs> with that, especially with miniskirt, <laughs> like a cat. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's not sexualizing or over-sexualizing yeah. the members. It's just not common in the fourth generation uh, right now. Yeah, even even that move that we, we were talking about that we mentioned, um, they even shot it like in a way that it's not like sort of objectifying them yeah. it's still sort of like because i think like what i think maybe beyonce mm-hmm. did this move before in, in some sort of um choreo but also like when i say provocative like um we were talking about this earlier that they're sort of including uh curse words oh yeah yeah in, in their songs <laughs> like they say the b word in fearless uh we were talking about the mermaid song where they say like the s word mm-hmm. it, it's just all different for someone who's conditioned uh for consuming fourth generation k-pop content yeah yeah definitely it it, it is kind of it is a little jarring i'm gonna be honest especially with kind of how k-pop is right now but uh, just for the listeners out there uh just to let you know the we say s word and and b word because we're not allowed to cuss on here <laughs> we have a uh, <laughs> we have a clean rating on all the podcast platforms so then um <laughs> if we cuss on here then We'd have to censor it out, and then we'd also have to drop our our cleanliness rating <laughs> to mature audiences, because <laughs> then our podcast is for everybody for all ages. <laughs> uh, but but before we move on, so uh, what did you think about the song? Like like, did you like it off the bat? I know you you like um, um posted on the Discord um that you were like, oh, song of the year, yeah, rookie of I the year. Like, how, how did you initially react? I loved the song. I loved it immediately. <laughs> when i heard it 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 just sounds so good it like i this song has a lot of class to it i want to say it it feels fancy i think because it has that 
luxury brand perfume kind of feel to it like you mentioned earlier and that dumping baseline man is just it just sounds so good and then like i you know i texted you and then or i hit you up on discord and i even tweeted about this too is i'm saying i'm not gonna call it now fearless is gonna be song of the year for a rookie group and la seraphim is gonna be rookie group of the year i'm calling it now and if i'm right if i'm right by the end of the year you owe me you owe me something (laughs) i don't know what it is right now (laughs) i don't know what it is right now but (laughs) you're gonna have to owe me something maybe like a Bet, yeah, bet. maybe some like um, <laughs> riot points or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, for me, it sort of didn't. Um, it didn't stick with me as prominently as as it did for you because. So for me, I'm not super into girl crush concept songs uh, like this, like a uh, Blackpink and Aspa. Off the bat, it sort of hit me the same thing like Seventeen that I didn't like Seventeen song um right away it took me a few listens to to get into because it sort of it sort of felt like one level throughout the whole song but it sort of does give a vibe that like we're here we're 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 confident in what we're doing like i sort of wanted like a little bit more different dynamics like either have like a beat drop Mm -hmm. or something like that it's sort of growing on me with as many listens as i list as i heard today i'd say there are other songs on the on the mini that I prefer more. I think this one is I gotta I have to sit mm-hmm. with it. It's a it's a good debut because especially watching my girls Chewan and Sakura enveloping this new character is just it's it's surprising to see them um take on this concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah and, and it works for them surprisingly because like you said earlier we're so used to seeing Sakura and Chewan as like these cutie type members for Sakura too especially she's kind of like the dorky member of Eyes <laughs> One. But then mm. for them to flip a switch to have this mature girl crush vibe, it's they they killed it in my in my opinion. And let's not forget about the other members: Garam, Unche, Kazuha, and Yunjin. I was actually really surprised when uh, Kazuha came on with that rap. <laughs> what did yeah, you think? I was I, I was surprised. I I wasn't expecting her to be the rapper or to have any rap lines. And apparently, she was only a trainee for three months, and her, her Korean sounds. Like that, like that sound. That's great. I need to get tips from her. Like, <laughs> I want my pronunciation to be that good. <laughs> and then uh, Yunjin singing is is crazy. Like, I didn't watch Produce Forty Eight. That was the season that she was on, right? Forty Eight. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch that one, but I had no idea she could sing like that. She sounded awesome. She's there. Is she their like lead vocalist? I think she's their their main vocal. Let me. Man, she sounds great. I don't think there's a branded main uh-huh. vocalist yet. It, it'd probably be between her and Chewon as a main vocalist. Yeah. And Chewon, of course, we we already know her her singing. She sounded awesome too. Yeah, because I know on a Produce Forty Eight, uh, they're usually one of the in contentions for main vocalists in their uh, little project groups. But we will keep an eye out for La Seraphim for sure because what they're putting out uh, sounds very promising. So that was Mion's Drive and La Seraphim's Fearless. In the news section, we'll share our picks for what happened in K-pop for the week. So what did you bring for news this time? I was going to bring um, news for uh, the Girls' Generation comeback, but apparently we got bamboozled. I don't know if you were following this over the weekend. Mm-hmm. SM came out with a teaser, right? They, they posted a picture of like a, you know, uh, something that was like a pink background with a, a spider on it. 
and then I think they tagged the they either I think they tagged the photo with SNSD or had a hashtag with SNSD. I can't remember. Like during the whole weekend, like people were like freaking out, like, oh my god, his girl generation come back. And then I think it was this either yesterday or this morning, SM released an announcement saying that Hyoyeon is coming back with a solo single. So basically we all got bamboozled. Like people were just like <laughs> dissecting this pretty hard. Well, not that hard, but like because Girls Generation's official color is pink. And then the spider, someone was saying, the spider has eight legs, which represents the eight members of Girls' Generation. <laughs> and I, like, I fell for it. That's what I thought, too. And I was like, I was getting hyped, but it, it just wasn't. It was just another Girls' Generation member, Hyoyeon, her teaser for her solo um, album. So we're excited for her. <laughs> I didn't even follow up on that. I was just like, oh, they're coming back. Okay, what, wait for more news. But I didn't know because I also saw the Hyoyeon uh, news too, and I thought it was just something different. But I guess it's for that. So, so what did you actually? So this bring time I this brought um, Blackpink's comeback. They're supposedly making a comeback soon. So Jenny was on um, a YouTube channel uh, called The Game Caterers Two. It's by um, a very famous. Uh, PD or TV producer Dang Sok, and he's responsible for Two Days and One Night. If you guys like to watch that, and it's been reported that the comeback is gonna be in June, and that's all we know about it. <laughs> okay, so um, Blackpink's last release was in October 2020 with their first full album called The Album, and they had the single Lovesick Girls. And you know what? To be honest, I'm not holding my breath for this one <laughs> because there are many, <laughs> many times where YG comes out saying. Hey, Blackpink's gonna come out with this. Hey, uh, a, a member's gonna do a solo thing, and nothing has happened. I mean, by now we've already had you know Jenny solo, we had Rose solo, Lisa solo, uh, Jisoo was in Snowdrop, right? So technically, YG was right. They had they they had comebacks with solos and stuff, but then it was like so much later than they <laughs> initially announced it. I'm just gonna take this with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They may say June this year, but it might be June next year. It might be June 2024, 20, <laughs> whatever. Either way, I'm excited. I'm always looking forward to new Blackpink content. It just sucks that, you know, uh, as a blink, you know, you're we're waiting so long for, for stuff. I mean, they're constantly in, you know, the spotlight with, you know, commercials. And if you live in Korea, you'll see them on billboards and stuff but i don't know i feel like blackpink well i don't know the original idea behind blackpink and i'm i don't work at yg but i feel like blackpink should be musicians first i don't know we, hopefully we get some music content and then all the cf deals and and influencer po- posts or whatever come later but i'm excited but at the same time i'm like eh, i'll see it when it happens yeah i think i saw uh, a clip recently of uh jisoo I think they were like performing somewhere. I'm not sure how recent it was, but she was she was talking about um talking about their catalog. They're saying like, oh, we're going to play some songs, but uh, we don't have that many songs. <laughs> so she was sort of like bagging on on how they're sort of um how not that many comebacks that they have, because at this point, they probably come back like once a year, once every other year yeah. or something like that. But like you said, I, I think it is more like they're sort of like multimedia kind of things outside of just music. But they're arguably one of the top girl groups in in yeah. Korea. So they must be doing something right. So it's not all about music. 
like you said, for fans, it's sort of like one thing that we're sort of looking forward to. I like some of their songs, but like I said earlier, uh, Girl Crush isn't one of my favorite genres. But so I liked Lovesick Girls and uh, Playing With Fire. And uh, like you said, I'll wait till I see it happen. Since I'm a multi-stand, it's not that hard to run out of content. I'm sort of like overblown with the content that I still have that playlist of over 1200 songs to go back and listen to to put on my playlist but that was uh blackpink possibly having a comeback in june for my news this week i wanted to highlight vvz uh becoming the first k-pop girl group to perform on grammy's global spin they're actually the fourth south korean act to do this um before them they had 80s sorry and bi um, this is a internet show where they're able to highlight artists from around the world and also highlight the country that they represent. They performed their debut single, Bop Bop. They also performed in modern looking hanbok, which is traditional Korean clothing. They performed at Dongdae Moon Design Plaza, which is a Seoul landmark. It sort of gives off vibes of the Chicago <laughs> Bean and the Disney Opera House. But yeah, I wanted to highlight this because it's cool that they're bringing k-pop to a global stage and it's giving a platform to show off to the world what k-pop is about i actually didn't know about this so that i think that's pretty cool so when ats and sodi and bi went on there um was this like in previous years or are they all they doing it like together kind of uh they're doing it uh sort of like staggered throughout the year because i think they've I think they were like doing it like maybe like once a month or something for South Korea because ATs they actually did it at some sort of Grammy event okay. live, but I think Sori and BI did it similarly to as VVZ did, doing a pre-recorded thing at some sort of landmark. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Wait, what landmarks did they do it at? Uh, if if you know. <laughs> oh, I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't like like that. Oh, but uh, that's part pretty of. cool. Like for the Grammys. To give you know international artists a platform because like you know for a lot of you know music musicians and artists their lifetime goal is to get a Grammy or to even be so to even be recognized by by the Academy that that's awesome so good stuff for Vivi's or yeah Vivi's Vivi pronounce their name yeah Vivi's so shout outs to them. And Bop Bop is an amazing song, so I'm glad they get to perform that. And then, um, are they performing a whole set, or is it they just perform one, just one song? Uh, they just they just perform yeah. Bop Bop. But yeah, it's cool that um, they're the first representative girl group to do it because they did have a boy group and they did have a female and male soloist do mm-hmm. their own ones. Of all the groups, VVZ was the first one to do it. That's dope. Shoutouts to them. So that was VVZ being the first K-pop girl group to perform on Grammy's Global Spin. In the spotlight section, we try to shine a light on something in K-pop, whether it be an artist, song, album, TV show, or the like. What would you like to spotlight this week? This was just a thought that I had last weekend, or last week, because, you know, Psy came out with his um, ninth album, or not ninth album, but his eighth studio album called Psy Ninth, and then in his song that that in the music video have you seen the music video yet uh i I think i watched the whole thing just as i was uh browsing the new releases this week it's a pretty yeah it's it's very sad it's very him there's this one scene where he comes out of a car and it he's wearing that his blue blue suit that he wore in like gangnam style and it, it made me think like man gangnam style came out like 
almost 10 years ago. It came out like, I want to say July 2012. I want to say that song kind of ushered in the, the third generation uh, of K-pop. And it just made me think like, man, so much has changed in the last 10 years of K-pop. Like K-pop already moves lightning fast. Like we have, there are uh, groups or, or singers or whatever that come out with a new song like every three months almost. Since then, so much has happened. Like we've had many iconic K-pop groups debut. And a lot of these groups now are pretty much the representatives of, of K-pop. And I'm talking about BTS, of course. Right. And, you know, they debuted in, I, I want to say 2013. I think they debuted on my birthday <laughs> in 2013. And then um, BTS has done so much for K-pop. Like, they really put it on the map. I mean, Psy did too, but like BTS kind of just put it on another level. And then we also have Blackpink, who's super popular in the West. And then, of course, there's EXO and, you know, and TWICE and, and so many other groups. Like, this can go on forever. It's just so crazy to think about like how easy it is to get this um, get this music now. Because like I remember we talked about in another episode where at one point I I got a freaking zip drive from some rando <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> which I would never do today. <laughs> but now we now you, we have streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, and and whatever to get it easily. Right? We don't have to wait super long. Like even if you were buying music, like importing music from Korea back then. It would take months. Yes, Asia, if you guys remember that uh, website. And still, they're still around now. I remember ordering an album from Yes, Asia a long time ago. And it took like two months to get here. Also, when it comes to Korean dramas, you had to watch Korean dramas and variety shows on super sketchy websites. <laughs> you had to wait <laughs> for like these people to sub the episodes. And it would take, it would take weeks. And then I remember just waiting like one week and thought that was fast. And that was not that many years ago. <laughs> and then now you have Netflix carrying a whole bunch of Korean dramas. Hulu has some as well. Um, now we have Vicky. Just a few years ago, it was Drama Fever, but they're, they're gone. They're not around anymore. Now it's super easy and the, the subtitles are super good quality. There's like no spelling mistakes and, <laughs> and all that stuff. Also, another thing which is crazy too is like I kind of have a hard time admitting sometimes, but like the talent level, these artists coming out are super high. Like you compare them, like their their choreography, their singing to Big Bang, like when they first came out. Like Big Bang was corny; <laughs> they were super corny when they first came out. Their <laughs> dance sucked. Like, but back then that was like that was that was considered good. But you watch it now, like man, this shit is whack. <laughs> um, but now. Like, you have groups like ATs who are super amazing dancers. If they were to come out back then, like 10 years ago, even even earlier, they would be consi- they would be looked at like they were freaking like wizards or whatever <laughs> because they're so good. <laughs> and um, just to, the acceptance of K-pop overall is so much better now. It's not that embarrassing to say that you like K-pop nowadays, right? Because then now everyone knows what it is. Right? It's like, oh, I like K-pop. Oh, so you must like BTS. And, you know, starts this whole conversation. Back then, nah. Like, I'd be embarrassed to say I like K-pop. Like, I had to feel out a person before I, <laughs> you know, before I admit that I like K-pop. Right? Sometimes I don't even mention it. But, like, I mean, but now I, I don't care. I don't, <laughs> I don't give a crap. I, I'll just say it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty, um, 
uh, pretty loud about it too. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I shove it down people's throats, but but whatever. I like K-pop, it, but but now it's like pe- people get it. You won't you won't get ridiculed ridiculed or anything like that. I mean, you, you might a little bit, but not as much as before. <laughs> but it's crazy how much how much this whole if you can call it a subculture, like how much it's grown and how widespread it is now. Yeah, with the with the dancing that you mentioned, I remember watching um some of the older stuff when I was looking up artists similar to GOT7 mm-hmm. when they debuted. A lot of groups were just doing like basic hip hop foundational mm-hmm. stuff. At the time, I was also getting into hip hop uh, mm-hmm. dance group stuff myself in, in college. And then um, choreographers like Sean Evaristo oh, yeah. and Ka yeah, Hanagami, yeah. they started um, transitioning to becoming k-pop dancers and choreographers for big bang and yeah. stuff like that that i was just like oh they did that they're, they're in these videos that's crazy that people that i learned from um because sean avrisa was from a group in san francisco oh, yeah, and i went to right, yeah, his yeah. workshops because he he's pretty big there but when i see him choreographing a wedding oh, dress yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> it's, it's just so surreal it's like i learned from that dude yeah it's crazy like especially with sean Evaristo and Calbaniga, right? They're like somewhat local. I think Calbanito is more SoCal, but yeah, he, he's like San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Okay, yeah. Um, and then we have like you and me. We have dancer friends, right? Who actually like danced mm-hmm. under them, right? Like they go out with them to uh to dance with K-pop people. Like I'll, I'll mention this off air, but we have a f- friend who danced with Zico when he came down for um um KCon. I think it was KCon. Mm. Yeah, which was crazy. I, I wonder if I can pull it up, but <laughs> uh, I'll show you later. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's crazy like how those choreographers from here transition, you know, to South Korea and become choreographers there. So it's it's a cool to see them leave their imprint in K-pop. Yeah, now everyone, or at least major groups today, they're all doing like super duper sharp, yeah, complicated choreography that even watching the dance challenges, they have to sort of um, dumb them down a little bit to like post TikToks and stuff with, with um, other celebrities and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was the growth of K-pop within the last 10 years. For my spotlight this week, I'd like to spotlight a little group called April. They were a group under DSP Media who housed artists like Finkel, Kara, Rainbow, Sexkeys, Ajax, and they're currently also housing Card and Mire. They debuted on August 24th, 2015 with members Soman, Chewan, Hyunju, Naon, Yena and Jinsol. Their fandom name is Fineapple, which is a combination of the word fine and apple. Fine as in good, apple short for April, and it's sort of a play on words with the word pineapple. Not too soon after their debut, on November 9th, 2015, their group leader Soman leaves because she was admittedly uncomfortable with the group's concept moving forward. She would later debut under Card. On October 29, 2016, Hyunju leaves to pursue acting, but we'll talk more about that later. In November 2016, Chae Young joins. She participated in the first season of Produce 101. She was also part of Baby Kata, Purity, IBI, and Siva, which were offshoots of Produce 101 members. And also she was joined by Rachel during the same period. Not too long after that, when the group became six members... They released their third mini named Prelude with the title song April Story, which is arguably one of their more popular titles. 
Then they came out with their fourth mini, Eternity, uh, with the title track, Take My Hand, which is actually when I um, stumbled upon them. Um, it wasn't one of my favorite songs, so I wasn't super into them. But with subsequent releases like Oh My Mistake, La La Li La La, Now or Never, and other songs like OAO and Story, I definitely sort of like fell for this group a little bit more. On February 28th, 2021, as the group was starting to gain traction with um, songs like Oh My Mistake and La La Li La La, an online forum post by someone claiming to be Hyunju's brother, claiming that Hyunju left not just for acting, but after being bullied by the other members. DSP Media came to deny and eventually pursued legal action against Hyunju and her family. This caused backlash and accusations leading to endorsements being dropped for the members, acting roles being dropped. Nan was supposed to be in this big TV show named Taxi Driver. And pretty much all of the group activities are pretty much halted because of all of this. Nan was one of the main focuses for the accusations. On January 28, 2022, RBW Entertainment acquired DSP and eventually would lead to the announcement of the group disbanding after six years. Chaewon, Yana, Chaekyung, Jinsol have all since left the company. Actually, as of this morning, Rachel has posted her first update on Instagram since the controversy. Also recently, within the last week or so, Namu Actors has revealed that they were in talks with Nan to joining their company, but nothing has been set in stone yet, so that's good to hear that at least, but we still haven't gotten an update from Nan ever since the controversy came to light. So I wanted to highlight them just because they're one of my favorite groups in recent years. But this whole bullying controversy, um, I'm pretty sure if you followed any fourth gen groups or even third gen groups, there were a lot of accusations floating around around the same time. So it, it just sucks that even accusations could essentially break up a group like we mentioned before is sort of a a sort of red flag going into La Seraphim because um, sort of accusations were popping up with uh, one of their members. Man, I, I, I don't listen to April, but I had no idea how long their history was, man. Because to, to me, like they debuted in 2015, but they still felt like a, a new group to me. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I had no idea about how long their history was. And I do remember when um, last year when those the bullying things uh, came out, which is crazy because like, yeah, even though like these accusations come up, whether they're like they're true or not, they they do so much damage, which is nuts. Cause then like like someone can like some rando online can just make anything up, and then if it gets any traction, that can that can hurt a group. Like I I hate that kind of stuff. And even like let's say they proved all that to be fake or whatever, like the damage has been done already. Like and it sucks that. You know, in the case of April, they're they're broken up already, so it's not like anything can can come out of it if you know people apologized or whatever. But man, that that's crazy. Um, do you have any? Um, since I don't listen to April, do you have any recommended songs that you know will kind of like I guess get me into them? Yeah. So like I said, like they didn't really they weren't that popular in my opinion um, until recently when especially when they came out with oh my mistake that's sort of when they gained a lot of attention because it's such a catchy song mm -hmm. and the, the girls their styling was so on point la la li la la was also a pretty popular song oh, wow. um it's a it was a very like electronic uh bass song which is usually like one of the genres i like in k-pop but april story like i said is probably 
one of their most popular songs. Okay. And like I said, their concept was a little cutesy for the most part. Um, that's why Soman left to sort of pursue something a little bit more mature mm-hmm. with Card. But they hit that sort of cute concept with me that it's not too cute. The music is catchy to a point where like it's not too overbearingly cute that they just hit this good ground with their concept with me. And another song you could check out is Now or Never, which is sort of their summer song. Their styling there is really great, too. The song is pretty catchy. But Nan also stood out to me because of her acting career. I checked out 18, 1, and 2, which is a pretty fun web drama, which also introduced me to Shin Yen, which I followed her uh, acting too. But it was, a, it was a fun little high school drama. And she was also in another big one called Extraordinary You. She was definitely one of those members that sort of like had this persona to her. If it was made up for for public or if this is actually her, she's definitely one of those like turns it on when she's performing. But when, as soon as she's off stage, she's definitely one of those like dorky personality ones that has <laughs> definitely one of like my favorite kind of biases. Mm-hmm. But it just sucks that, like you said, even if they're just accusations, it, it could just end someone's career or some, someone's livelihood. So that was April, the DSP Media Girl Group. To end the show, we'd like to leave you all with some recommendations that aren't necessarily K-pop. What would you like to recommend this week? All right, so I'd like to recommend you guys a song. It's <laughs> K-pop. It's not really K-pop. I, I like to call it K-pop adjacent because the people involved in this project, or not really project, in the song, have K-pop relations. So Jay Park last week came out with a new song on April 28th called Thoughts of You featuring PH1 and Benzo. And this song is not in Korean. And it's not in English either. It's in Mandarin. You guys have to <laughs> check it out. Dude, the beat to this is crazy. It slaps. And Jay Park sings in Chinese or Mandarin, which is crazy. Uh, PH1, he raps in English, but drops a little bit of, you know, Mandarin in there. And then uh, Benzo, who this is the first time I'm hearing of him, uh, I guess he's a, a rapper from China, uh, and he's rapping in full Mandarin. Um, but he, he drops a couple of uh, Korean bars in there for, for us. But it, it's a good song. The beat slaps. You, you guys got to check it out. I guarantee you, it's going to get stuck in your head for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't actively follow Jay Park. Uh, I only watch his stuff if it ever pops into like my recommendations or pops on my timeline or something. But I will have to check that out. Do it. So that was Jay Park. Thoughts of You featuring PH1 and Benzo. For my recommendation of the week, I would like to recommend Queendom Episode 5. This is the round when they usually go off onto some sort of hotel or Airbnb kind of thing and sort of have like intermingling between groups. Uh, The first part of the challenge, they have to collaborate with other groups. So in this one, because there's six groups, they have to send members, not their whole team, but whoever they choose to collaborate with one other group in vocals and dancing. And this is sort of when a lot of the drama comes up, where it, whether it's like choosing teams or choosing songs. It's that whole Mnet survival show thing where if somebody picks a song, somebody could get booted out because of their ranking. Like that whole dynamic is fun, but it's also fun just seeing the interactions between the different groups because it's always funny seeing K-pop groups on screen sort of being these sort of outgoing people. But whenever it goes to a a blog, vlog or something, the members of the groups always end up being pretty shy around other groups that 
they're just not all outgoing all of a sudden. So just seeing them all being shy around each other, being shy around their sunbay nims. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> so that was Queendom episode five. Close out the show. Do you have anything to promote? As usual, I like to promote our social media accounts. Um, you can follow us pretty much anywhere uh, at Idle Rumble. And if you like what you hear, uh, do us a favor and uh, give us a give us a nice review, please, uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. And also, I like to make an announcement that we have a Discord server. So if you want to talk to us about anything, that could be K-pop, movies, video games, pretty much anything, you can find us at the official Lobby Rumble Discord server. And you can find a link to that in our bios in all the social media accounts. So hopefully we get to talk to you guys soon. Nice. You could also talk to us on Instagram and Twitter, whatever you like. You could also catch my work at LobbyRumble.com, social media at LobbyRumble. You can follow me personally at Rob Loves Pizza with R0B. Music's brought to you by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com. And that will do it for this week's show. We will catch you on the next episode of the Idol Rumble podcast. Be safe out there. 